Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The church said, Amen. We have a lot of guests with us today. I'm so thankful that you're here and have chosen to come to be with us. Uh, transplants from Texas, all the way from New Zealand. We're thrilled to have you folks back here visiting again. I know you're excited to be here because they're grandbabies. Not so much about the daughter, but the grandbabies. Uh, I know that you're excited, but we're, we're just thrilled to have all of you here. Thank you so much for being with us. And I, I want to make a little special announcement before I even get into my sermon. I want to invite you to come back next week. Simply because we have a, a very talented young man who's going to be preaching, and he's not with us for very much longer. Javon and Leah and the kids are, will be transplanting themselves to Japan, if I still remember correctly, uh, in just a couple of months. It's not long. It's coming quickly. So Javon is going to be preaching next week. He always brings an amazing message. So let me invite all of you to come back. Bring a friend. Bring a neighbor. Because Javon will be sharing the message with us next week. So please come and be a part of that service. You will be blessed. I promise you will be blessed for hearing Javon. So, all right, let's look at James chapter 5. There are a couple of things here I want to share with you in this, this little text here. James chapter 5, let me start reading. I went too quick. Start in verse 7. I want to read this all to you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. How's that working out for you? And when is he coming? See, see, soon is right. How soon is soon? See, that's one of those expressions that we're going to talk about in just a minute. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crops, its valuable crop, and how patient he is from the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, and, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He'll be greeting you as you leave. No, not really. Uh, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. It's an interesting word, persevere. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So I want us to spend a few minutes looking at patience and perseverance. You know, the whole book of James, really, it, it's, it's kind of a, 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 a static bullet point sermon that James threw out there in writing, and he gave us a whole bunch of things we shouldn't do. He gave us a whole bunch of things we should do. And, and if you look at the text from just uh, a surface, there's just a lot of quick, quick, quick bullet points that he says, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And through all of it, he concludes this letter by encouraging us to be patient and persevere. Patience is powerful. He uses that verse of scripture. He says, brothers and sisters, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops, patiently waiting. You know, I planted tomatoes on my boat this year. You remember that, right? Some of you know the story. I think we ended up spending about $175 for three pints of, of tomatoes. <laughs> Truly we did, because when we would travel, we went out of town a couple of times, and we needed someone to take care of the plants because they won't live a week or so without water, and so we had a friend water them, and we paid her money, and, and all of the pots and the dirt and the stuff that I bought, because you can't plant tomato seeds without, we spent about 150 bucks for three pints of tomatoes. But watching them grow was worth the money for me. 
And I want us to realize that watching things grow is what God has invited us to do. Patience is a virtue. Remember that? That's somewhere. I think Benjamin Franklin said that. It might be somewhere else. But patience is a virtue. And as you look at the body of Christ, it's exciting to watch people grow. And do you realize that we're all at different places in our lives right now today? Thank God you're not like me. Truthfully, because... We are all at different places and all of us have different gifts and all of us have different things that we can do and we're all at different walks in in our life with God. And that's wonderful because it allows all of us to experience patience with one another. There's a little kid's song or a song that I heard a long time ago. He's not through with me. He's not made me what I ought to be. I think Amy Grant sang the song back in the 70s or 80s, something like that. But it's a wonderful expression to remember God isn't through with us yet. He hasn't finished. And until we take our last breath in this life, he's not finished with us. Until we take the very, very last breath. And then guess what? He's not finished with us. Because then we have all of eternity to do whatever it is that we're supposed to do when we go to heaven. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm kind of excited to go there. Brother Robert made a statement, it's a great day to be above ground. It's not a bad day to be below ground. I'm just telling you, because whenever that day comes that we all get to go below ground, which means we've been buried, uh, we're at peace with Christ, and we're waiting for that ultimate day when we're going to get to go to heaven. What's wrong with that? I'm not ready to check out. I don't play in the streets and stand in front of Mack trucks. But I'm telling you, when the day comes, it'll be a good day. It'll be a good day. He goes on to say, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. You know, i got to be honest with you. This one is tough. This whole thing about the Lord's coming is a tough expression because when James wrote this, when Paul made the statements that he makes in his letters about the Lord is coming soon, I really believe that they all expected he was coming back pretty quick. I don't think they had in mind 2,000 years later we're still waiting on the Lord to come quickly. You get what I'm saying? And I know the Bible says that a thousand years to the Lord is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. God is beyond time because he's out of our continuum of time and he doesn't see the sun coming. Well, he sees the sun coming up and going down, but he doesn't live in that frame of reference. He's beyond that. I understand that. I get that. But that doesn't make me living any easier. You know what I mean? I mean, I I was chatting with someone before services. I said, we're not old yet. I'm not old yet because I'm not 60. Now, this year I turned 60. My wife's already old. She's already 60. She left the building. I can say it safely. She'll watch the sermon later. And 60's not old. I mean, 60's the new 30, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yes, it's the new 30. There's a part of my mind that tells me constantly, Ed, you can do things, you can do things. And then I go try to do them. I'm like, what are you, stupid? You should never try this. I don't know when God is coming. In the Bible class this morning, Brian brought up an important statement about that, you know, there are Jews over in Israel. They have the red heifer, and they're ready to do the whole animal offerings again. I don't know what all that means, but I know this. Someday, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe another 2,000 years, (laughs) Jesus is coming. And whether it's tomorrow or 2,000 years from tomorrow, all of us at some point are going to get to see him. Now, whether we're alive when he comes in the clouds or whether we get to rise to meet him in the clouds, I don't know, but I'll take either way. But understand this. God has called us to be patient until that time. And I don't think it's just about being patient until he comes. I think James is trying to get us to understand we need to be patient with one another while we're waiting around. Because we're not that good sometimes. 
And I will do things that you're like, I cannot believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. Or I'll do something to you and like, Ed, why in the world did you do that to me? Well, I might have meant to, and I might not have, but regardless, please be patient with me because I am human. I learned a long, long time ago, every single person that I know, including, including me, everybody is going to disappoint me at some time or another. That's the reality of life. Because none of us are perfect. My own wife disappoints me. My own children have disappointed me. My father disappointed me. God rest his soul. He, he died seven years ago. He disappointed me at times. Everybody we know. Welcome to life. None of us are perfect. So James says, just be patient until the Lord comes. That's a long time to be patient. You know, Jesus, when he's asked, how many times should I forgive my brother? What did he say? Three times? Three times, that's it. That's all you get. No, he said 70 times 7. That's 490. Is that the good math? Is that right? How many of you keep count? I'm at 387 with some of you. He, he didn't mean it for an exact number. He meant it, look, there's no number. Just keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Because he knows that we're going to keep on making mistakes. And so James encourages us to be patient until the Lord's coming. So when do you not get to be patient? Never. Exactly. When you're dead. You don't have to be patient anymore because you don't have to deal with us anymore. But until he comes, James' encouragement to us is to be patient with one another because guess what? We're the ones who keep getting messed up. God isn't finished with me yet. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. That's James' encouragement. I, I, I know that there are things that I do. There are things that I say. Even my style of preaching, some of you don't like it sometimes, and that's okay. I'm not offended if you don't like that. I don't take it personally. I don't. But don't grumble against me. I don't like what you wear to church some days, but I won't grumble against you. Aaron had on a pair of shorts early. He said, Ed, do I need to change? I'm like, I don't care. He was here in shorts and t-shirt getting ready to go, you know, getting all the stuff done. I remember years ago when Lynn and I were living down in South Georgia, there was this young man, he was an army guy. He had been called into work that morning. You know, when you're in the army, when, the mar when your mar sergeant says show up, you show up. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about the Marine Corps or the Navy. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But when your commanding officer, whomever that may be, says show up, you show up. Well, that particular Sunday morning, I remember this very clearly, well, there was a particular Sunday morning, this young man had been awakened from his bed and says, okay, everybody down to the... Um, wherever they keep the vehicles, I forget the name of the place, it's a special name, whatever that place is, we're going to wash trucks. Motor pool, thank you very much. So they all go to motor pool, they wash vehicles. He finishes up about five minutes till nine, church is at nine, he shows up in his shorts and his t-shirt because the sergeant had let them wash vehicles at the motor pool in shorts and t-shirt that day. And I'm telling you, there was one guy that got uptight about that. He got really, really uptight. We had a men's meeting that particular Sunday after church, and, and he went off about this guy showing up in shorts. You know who that guy was? My father-in-law. <laughs> it was my father-in-law. We buried him two months ago. He got upset about this kid showing up 
kid, young, young soldier, showing up in short. I'm like, Wayne, Wayne, wait a minute. He came. He thought enough about us to come. He didn't have time to go change. Now, I'm not saying that to imply that all of us next week show up in shorts and flip-flops and shirts. That's not what I'm implying, but I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is sometimes we grumble about things that, honestly, if we would just take a moment and step back, we probably wouldn't grumble about it. Because we're all people. And we're all going to do things. Sometimes it's worth grumbling about in one way, but the reality is James says, look, don't grumble against one another. God isn't through with us yet. He's not done with us. Be patient with one another. That's his encouragement. And then, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. The story goes of Winston Churchill after World War II. He made that infamous speech at a college graduation. Never. Do you notice how I said that? Wasn't that cool? Never. Never. I should have invited you because you're a New Zealander and the languages are similar. Never give up. That was his speech. That was his speech. That was it. And he turned around and sat down. He got a standing ovation. Now, how many of us genuinely have an attitude of never giving up? There's an expression that is used in the Deep South. And it goes something like this. We ought to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. Now, I know we're about to eat. And I'm telling you, they're not planting hairs in the hamburgers. But if you happen to find one, don't worry about it. It's been cooked and broiled. It'll be all right. But when you hang in there like a hair in a biscuit, baby, you, you don't give up. I mean, I've actually had that happen to me a time or two in my life. When I was a young kid living at home in Alabama, and my mama cooked something, she had long hair, and one of them got stuck in there. And you could literally pick up the biscuit by the hair. You could do that. And it wouldn't break. Not because they were light, fluffy biscuits. It's just the strand of hair is that strong. But I'm, but I'm telling you guys, we have to learn to hang in there. It ain't over till it's over. When is it over? When you die. When you die. You know, he goes on in, in this book of James, he references Job. And look, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life. More than the former part, he had 14,000 sheep. He had 6,000 camels. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. What's 1,000 yoke? How many animals are generally in a yoke? Uh, two. So he didn't just have 1,000. He had 2,000 oxen. Now, I don't know what you would envision doing with 2,000 oxen who are in a yoke. But I'm guessing he planted crops. You know what I mean? He used them for agricultural purposes. Can you imagine just how much work it would take just to keep these animals fed? The man was blessed beyond anything you and I can imagine. Now, I know that, you know, Robert made a comment in, the, in, the, in his observations and comments about giving this morning. He's told the story about the gentleman who said, even if the church budget was fulfilled and we don't need any money, he would still give because he didn't want to miss out on his blessing. There's a lot of truth to that. 
When you and I think about persevering, when we think about the life that God has given us to live and what He's called us to, it's about hanging in there until the end. And I know that sometimes we are blessed here in this world, just like Job. Sometimes we're going to have that kind of blessing. But I also know that sometimes, sometimes uh, we're like the rich man and Lazarus story. And we go through all of life and we're eating from the crumbs of the table. So which one is blessed of God? Um, both. Both of them. Both of them. Remember, in your lifetime, speaking to the rich man, you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. And now he is comforted and you are in agony. See, I don't have the crystal ball. I don't have the magic microscope that can look into your life that tells you exactly what kind of life you're going to have. I don't know if you'll have thousands of animals or millions of dollars, or I don't know if you're going to have a rough life and barely eke by, and then when you die, be blessed of God. I don't know which it is, but I offer this to you. Either way, persevere. Because in the end, Guess where both of those men were? On the right side with God. You get what I'm saying? So if God blesses you financially in an amazing way here, by all means, spread the love. Share the love. Share the joy. Share that with others. Share that with more people so that you receive more blessing because Jesus himself said, I will give to you. If you'll give to me, I'll give to you. Give it back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. But if you have the privilege and distinct possibility of living a life where you seem to barely eke out an existence and you die a pauper and you have nothing except your faith, trust me, the reward is the same. Persevere. I don't care how hard life gets. I don't care how great life is. Persevere. It seems like somewhere in my mind there's a statement in the Bible that goes something like this. Be thou faithful until what? Death. And I will give you what? A crown of life. So either way, here's the beauty of it. Either way, if we persevere till the end, we win. Is that not cool or what? That's just cool. Because see, it's not about what you accumulate here that determines your home in heaven. It's about faith. It's not about what you don't have here that you don't get to enjoy in this life that determines your home in heaven. Uh, it's your faith. So either way, we win. And I know I don't like to lose. I just don't like to lose. So my choice for me in my life is to serve the Lord until I don't get to wake up, and then I win. It's a pretty cool place to be in when you know that you win either way. So you see, James, in the closing out of his book, he's, he's encouraging us to be patient through it all and patient with everyone because the reality is we're all going to mess up somewhere, somehow. We just will. And we might as well just get used to the fact that somewhere, somehow, some way, somebody, someday will disappoint you. 
They might even say horrible, no good things about you. But if you're patient and persevere to the end and faithful, you still win. And you might get to live like a king here in this world. You might have the riches of a king and live in an amazing home and have everything that you could possibly ever imagine. Or you might have virtually nothing and barely, barely, barely figure out a way just to get through the month. But when you pass from this life, you win. And I just think that's cool. God is no respecter of persons. And it's nice. And you know, i got to be honest with you, sometimes I think that God blesses other people because they know what to do with it, and I think sometimes he withholds those financial blessings from others because we wouldn't know what to do with it. And I would rather face eternity with nothing, having gone through life with my faith, than to have gone through life with the wealth of the world and not have my faith. You get what I'm saying? I'm really good with where I'm at. Because I believe with all of my heart, God has me exactly where he needs me to be. And I embrace that. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that every single day, you and I are placed wherever it is in life because God needs us to be there for someone or he needs us to be there because he has someone there for us. There are no accidents. And every day when we wake up, I invite you to embrace patience and perseverance, realizing that God has allowed us to be where we are because we need to serve somebody or somebody is serving us. And if we're blessed, maybe we get both in the same day. Brandon is going to come and lead us in a song. I invite you to stand with us and sing, and as we sing this song, if there's any way that the church can help you, we want to be here for you. This song is entitled Sing and Be Happy, and it's a wonderful song to conclude this lesson because truly, James wants us to be happy. He wants us to serve the Lord, to be patient, to persevere to the end, so that when the end comes, we have the home in heaven. In the sky above, you are